Monarch Legacy of Monsters is the latest continuation of the Godzilla franchise. Taking place after the events of the 2014 movie, it follows two timelines and focuses its efforts on improving what critics normally perceive as monster movies' biggest weakness, character development and narrative depth. The 10-episode series is showrun by comic book writer Matt Fraction and producer Chris Black. It's on Apple TV. We're here to discuss the first two installments, Aftermath and Departure. Welcome to today's episode. I'm glad I'm not the only one that finds the characters to be probably the worst thing about Kong Skull Island and Godzilla. Not just those movies. I'm talking about all monster movies. Well, ever. I, in 2014, when Godzilla came out, I remember being a freshman in high school. I went with some of my best friends and we went to go see the movie and probably a huge reason why this show was able to even be made and a reason why these movies have become so successful is because of 2014 Godzilla's marketing campaign. Yeah, they spent $100 million on marketing alone. If you remember, that trailer was like critically acclaimed. It was called one of the best trailers of all time because they hid Godzilla's look. Like you saw his face for like one second, but the one thing I keep on thinking of is when he was rising out of the ocean and you just saw this huge monster and you were like, what is this movie? And then I saw the film and I hated it. You hated Godzilla? <laughs> I hated Godzilla. It took way too long to get to the third act. The characters, like I said, they were just, they seemed like stock characters, something that ChatGPT would write up. The pacing was so slow. That's the Aaron Taylor Johnson one, right? Yes. I never watched that one. And then who else was in it? Elizabeth Olsen? Yeah. Brian Cranston was in it also. But because yeah. it made so much money, uh, they actually then started making them in Japan again. The Toho Industries oh, really? or whatever that, that. company is <laughs> called started making those movies there. And then they started making sequels here it became the monster verse you have marvel verse monster verse um but uh you to watch this show know that it only had you only had to watch the 2014 movie but you went ahead and watched call skull island as well. i saw the first 20 seconds of this where john goodman is reprising his role and i knew that he was in kong skull island so yes i watched that and i have the same complaints with godzilla that i do about kong skull island way too long to get to the third act doesn't focus as much on king kong as i would like i actually did you ever watch the king kong movie in the 2000s, the one with no, Jack the, Black? No, the one that came out in 2005. I, didn't. I just remember it being exceedingly long. It had Adrian Brody in it. It it's was like, like three, three hours. Yep, yeah. like three hours. And then it, uh, it, but it basically followed the normal track of the classic story that you, you, you see with King Kong. This, it takes it in a different direction because Kong and Godzilla, like, do they fight each other? Are they friends? Like, how does that work? It's a verse, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they came but out like, with a movie called who is, King Kong. Who is evil, is my question. No, neither of them, neither of them was, that, the, yeah. are evil. That was the twisting Godzilla in King Kong Skull Island it was a little more obvious to me but they felt like it was the same movie because both of them just have to fight monsters and are supposed to be kind of the king of the sea for Godzilla and the king of uh the king of Skull Island for just King just Kong. to like acclimate us with what we're going into here in this world um I do have a true or false game for you mm -hmm. uh it's about the 2014 movie because I knew you'd seen it um so are you ready yeah all right Joseph Gordon-Levitt turned down the lead role in 2012 true or false true true while shooting the film, the cinematographer accidentally went to the lakeside set of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, also came out in 2014, which was shooting nearby and looked very similar to the set of this <laughs> film. Um, true or false? I want that to be true. I'll say true. It was true. It was so surreal for him because he didn't recognize anybody, but he <laughs> thought he was on the right set, and so he was very confused. Uh, and the third one is, had the graphics been rendered on a single computer, as opposed to uh, however many they worked with, uh, it would have taken 450 years to render. I'll say true to that. 
All true. Yes, you yeah, got them wow. all right. So this didn't throw you. It seems like you have enough of a basis for understanding the Godzilla franchise, even though you aren't aware of the lore. You don't know the rich history. It's recently celebrated its 69th um, birthday or anniversary since right. Godzilla was made a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I think Apple... Do you think they're doing the right move by moving it to a televised screen, like moving it to a small screen? So when I was watching the World Series, I saw that there was a poster for this in the back. And I was very sad because I was seeing the Arizona Diamondbacks lose as this was going on. But I thought that it was going to be a movie that I because I just saw the name. I didn't know and that. And you saw Kurt Russell was in it. And it's like Kurt Russell doesn't do yes, TV. And I saw a huge monster on the poster. I was like, I, that would be cool if it was a TV show. So when I saw that it was going to be a TV show, I got really excited for it. I have a confession to make. And I, I feel like I need to say it now about the casting. I have watched Wyatt Russell from the days when he was doing Black Mirror, hmm. 22 Jump Street, and I never made the connection that he is actually Kurt Russell's son. In fact, I was watching this episode. You gotta be kidding me. I was watching this episode and I was like, they really cast no, him well. No, no, that he was a pro that so I had much, as well. So much like That's him. the second time because with uh, with the Rob Lowe show, I don't even remember what it was called. I gave it a pro because I thought that the son in that looked so much like his son. Wait, are you kidding me? Was. You didn't make the connection between the same last no, names either? No, <laughs> I they, didn't know until now. <laughs> okay, so they originally cast Kurt Russell as Lee, but then they were thinking about de-aging him with CGI, and then they were like, no, let's just ask his son to play that character. And now it makes a lot more sense why Wyatt Russell rose through Hollywood as quickly as he did, because yeah. he went from 22 Jump Street, Black Mirror, that type of like small little bit parts, to leading his own shows in Lodge 49, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Under the Banner of Heaven. Ever since The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I cannot get over how much he looks like Bo Burnham. He just looks almost in exactly like them. They could cast each other there and be playing brothers huh okay i i've never really thought about it that way i think he's a little bit more jacked than bo burnham and i'm I think, talking face wise yeah <laughs> all right so yeah I, I and i think they did a great job here i think they definitely are pros of the show let's get into it this is set in 2015 after the events of godzilla day g day mm -hmm. uh it's one year later and um people think it's a hoax what happened in san francisco um there are two storylines we're following the 2015 one about what happened to hiroshi his uh, daughter, and then eventually his st his son, and I guess their stepkids to each other. Um, <laughs> they're off looking for him, and in the 1950 storyline, it's the origins of Monarch, that shadowy organization yeah. that's researching the Mutos uh, or Titans um, or monsters. By and there's these three amigos: uh, Billy, Kaiko, and Lee. Yeah, William Randa, um, who is also John Goodman later yeah. on. Um, Doctor Kiko Mura, like you said, and then yeah, Lee Shaw, and so they're working together in the 50s to try to find them, locate them, document them, do whatever experiments that they need to. And that all leads us to the question of, did we get enough, not character development, but FX and uh, reasons to watch the show? For me, no. no. I think that the monsters look great for this thing. In fact, when I started... Well, let's go through them. Because okay. in episode one, you have the spider monster, which you see in the first minute. You see Godzilla. Uh, later on in that episode in like a flashback. You also see King Kong within the first 10 seconds. You see the big... Oh, you do? Yeah. I didn't even mention or i didn't even see i might have just been used over footage from the king kong film but you do see him maybe okay so then you also have the big crab uh roach the, eggs the crab was a lot like uh the tree monster except more violent um from the kong skull island movie that toby kebble i forgot his character's name runs into okay. um, because he because he's, he's able to camouflage himself on that cliff that john goodman gets to besides just the fx you also had a john goodman cameo that we've discussed in episode two we get to see another cameo but 
it's the peacemaker sheriff from the the one that gets the butterfly in the head and that's like controlling them. I would not have been able to put that together. He's super skinny. He's the one who calls in Lee and gives him the job to go. He had worked with his father before. That's right. Yes. Wow. Okay. So you have the car accident as well as far as FX are concerned. Jungle ship, um, drool, Aurora Borealis in the Philippines, uh, big claws, Kurt Russell showing up at the very end. And then also at the very end, that big bat monster dragon thing. That was Riley from Super Smash Bros. <laughs> Do you remember that boss that you had to face in Super Smash Bros? Nope. That's literally just a dragon. It almost looked exactly like that. It just <laughs> felt weird that they waited that long into episode two to show us another monster. Yes. Like we kept on seeing little implements of things that the monsters would do. Again, the Aurora Borealis is actually like entrails or something. Which that, one was your favorite to see out uh, of all those? Kurt Russell at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it, t- it took two. It, it was like uh, seeing, um, what's his face? Uh, Luke at the end of this first Star Wars movie, right? It took way too long, I think, to bring him in. Actually, I, I felt the same way almost about Godzilla. Not that it took too long, but when we get that quick flashback scene in the first episode and we see Godzilla, I, I'd only seen the 2014 film and it was like seeing an old friend again. He looked great. Yeah, I was like, wow, that that definitely is the best part of the I series. also gave it a pro how it did the old footage like whenever once in a while it would yeah. switch over to the old camera looking thing, the B-roll, I don't know. Um, and also, then- Bill Bill Ronda's, uh, when John Goodman is, is uh, kind of sending the message before he uh, faces those monsters, it's a lot like the Walter White message at the beginning of the pilot of Breaking Bad because he's holding the camera and speaking <laughs> to it, talking about how he's, he's sorry for the choices he made, but it's try, trying it's to like get It's like his own blog this. almost. Yeah. yeah. So the first <laughs> episode here, we have Kate. She's traveling to Japan from San Francisco to get answers about her father who disappeared on a flight to Alaska, but she knows that her dad wasn't exactly being honest when he said that he just worked for the government, that he was part of... uh, She doesn't know the name of Monarch yet. Right. But in the second episode, Monarch kind of figures out that Kate is and her family are looking for the dad or also that they're just like finding their files. Um, and so they start chasing down Kate and Kentaro and May, um, Kentaro's girlfriend or ex-girlfriend. And then in the past, obviously, there's Keiko, Lee and Billy. And they kind of have the same arc each episode because they look for monsters and then they find no monsters and then something crazy happens at the end. Yeah. So what did you think of the monarch villains? Because we got really a good sense of them in episode You mean Tim? Two. Yeah, Tim. I don't know if Tim even counts as a villain he seems like he wants to be considered just like an innocent dude who's who's trying to get his files back like i don't know if he's he's capable of doing anything super evil but i, I mean they, we we don't see him be evil yet in the series even though i think the show kind of wants you to frame it that way but i had the same prediction where it's like he's not actually a villain at all like when he's he going even, about even getting when, the files the wrong way yes but even when he put the bag over kate's head in episode two when they're driving to the car and his french sidekick yes. yeah he says like we can't let you know how how to get here that's this is the only reason yeah so, my biggest con for the show is the amount of angst that it has in it angst and i will get into that right now because kate travels from san francisco to japan that's across the entire world for leads on her missing dad right yeah and she tracks down where he's living that must have taken a heck of a lot of effort she opens the door she comes in there triumphant and then she gets one tiny uncomfortable revelation oh my gosh my dad had a second family this is my stepbrother and this is his uh, mistress or could be that her mom was the mistress and she immediately loses all motivation to find <laughs> her father the thing that the only thing that's been guiding her over the last year and then she just 
just bolts without getting any answers or providing any answers to these people who she's just met. Then her moody stepbrother, Kentaro, has to twist her arm to get her to go to her dad's old office building that would have answers, and yet she doesn't seem at all interested in going until she gets there and they find a bunch of suspicious old documents in this safe. Then it's Kentaro's turn to become all angsty because he becomes disinterested and has to be convinced by Kate to find out what's on the tapes. He eventually contacts his ex, May, and what does she do? Oh, she's she's the hacker. That's where I thought you were going with like all the angst. but what I'm saying with the angst is like as soon as she sits down and they're like hey we have this huge mystery she gets up and leaves she's like i'm tired of this i i came back because i wanted uh to be in a relationship with you and now that you're clearly not interested in that she gets up and leaves they have to convince her to go back to her apartment and then open up those those encrypted files which she does and then at the end of the episode it finally seems like they're all on the same page and that there's no more qualms going on they recognize their grandma in the photo, mm-hmm. Kentaro and uh, and Kate recognize... She's standing in the middle of a big footprint. And that's what connects us to the 1950s storyline. I found that perfectly fine. But then episode two starts, and suddenly Kate is back on her way to the airport. <laughs> and it made no sense to me, because I was like, weren't you guys just in a room discussing this, like, looking like you were about to solve this mystery? And instead, she's, like, coming home already? Even her mom is asking her on the phone. She's like, you're coming home already? My, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it, it, that's not the only thing that happens, because in the 1950s storyline, you also have Lee abandoning Dr. Mira and Bill in episode two because he doesn't like Bill. You also have in episode one he, when he tries to leave Kazakhstan after they find the monsters that they've been looking for before they actually do the mission. Like, they, they spend the full episode looking for this place. They find it. They see all these larvae. All they need to do is take some biological samples the of it. The larva was a reference to the Godzilla movie, I believe, when Aaron Tyler Johnson has to uh, set up bombs to explode so that the babies don't get born. It was so strange that they were blowing things up near this like ground, this, this place where they thought that they could uncover a titan. Like it yeah. felt like that would just anger it. Yeah. Yeah. So instead they, but they, they find the larva and then eventually he has to be convinced to let them go down and do their job, which is the only reason why they're there. One of the lines is, then what are we doing here if we were just about to leave? Keiko in episode two stumbles upon a ship in the middle of the jungle. She gets in there. She And this is the same ship that obviously Randa, right? That's yes. where he's from. She gets in there. She sees the drool, drool everywhere. She sees the old um, crew all still like sort of um, kept in, in preservation because of the drool. And she's like, I've seen enough she's a scientist who has found a ship that was supposed to sink halfway across the world it's now in the middle of the jungle she's found this weird biological material and it's all over this old crew and instead of taking any samples or anything she just wants to get the hell out yeah, of it it seems like it, it was a constant thing everybody <laughs> just wants to leave constantly Even, but, but yeah. not only just constantly it was when they found something that they very much should be interested right in. when kate's dad found kate in the backflash, the thing he had been interested in is making sure his daughter was alive. What does he do? He immediately gets away from her. He like gives her tickets and then he ditches My her. My biggest problem with the series was the characters. I quite like the scene where Kate is on the plane and she's just landed and they're spraying everyone. Um, oh, yeah, they uh, disinfected everyone. It was kind of lore because they were talking about how that might be able to ward off another uh, animal attack. Or I like the person attack. sitting next to her because he said that there's basically two ways that people have um, in their brains come to grips with what happened in San Francisco. Either they call it a hoax like the taxi driver did, or he's just like, 
Um, you, the, nothing that we do is going to stop these right. creatures. But when Kate gets to the apartment, it seemed like they just took a soap opera storyline, this dad who's living a double life, and decided to like mesh it inside this show dealing with monsters. And I really did not like that, but I actually had a bigger problem with the 1959 storylines. I do not understand why Wyatt Russell has been typecast to always be some type of army person. Yes. I don't think he was typecast. I think, again, they, they gave Kurt Russell the role and then they were like, well, you're playing a, a lieutenant or something that older in life. So now we need someone for think about it. This takes yeah. place in 1959. And if you've seen the movie Overlord, that takes place during World War II, I believe, which is also a monster movie uh, horror type thing. And then you have Falcon and the Winter Soldier where he's playing yeah. supposed to be the Winter Soldier. And then the good Lord Bird, he plays a lieutenant in that just like he plays a lieutenant in this. But typecast is different than a convenient uh, because this is just a, this just happened coincidentally it wasn't one of those ones where they went searching for him for any other reason than his dad was in it a and bigger, he had to play a younger version my bigger problem also though with the first episode was that it ends on a cliffhanger so uh keiko she falls yeah right and oh then, god episode, that unlocked it unlocked a, a disturbing like fear of mine like the idea of dying by a bunch of little cock or big cockroaches yeah. crawling all over you but but in episode two we get a flashback seven years so now it's 1952 we don't even get to see what happens in the 1959 story yeah we don't and if you think about it the pilot follows a very similar story structure to fear the walking dead's pilot where they give you the zombies at the very beginning just like they give you the monsters in the very beginning of this episode and then they give you the zombies at the end of the fear the walking dead pilot just like they give you the monsters at the end of this episode but beside that you're just left with characters that i do not care for yeah they're bookended monsters just yes. to keep you happy <laughs> and but then you get that quick godzilla one in the in the middle, uh, middle. I, I will say for the show's benefit that the characters are better than like you would put it the rest of the movies the aaron taylor johnson or Tyler Johnson, I don't know how you yep. say his name, um, and, and and the Elizabeth Olsons, and like they really got no depth. And these people that they're they're actually trying to give to. My favorite character to see there was Anders, even though he looks the least like John Goodman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I forgot that his actual name is Anders, like Anders Holm, right? Mm -hmm. And from Workaholics. And the last time I saw him was in Invent Inventing Anna as as playing her boyfriend. So he was like far down that casting list. He's working his way up. Like I know the guy's <laughs> already in his 40s, but uh, it, it's crazy to see him in a in a huge production like this starring next to kurt russell <laughs> but talking just about kind of the ethics of this show in general yeah. we already have to deal with marvel dc star wars the boys even also like rick and morty did we really need the monsterverse to get its own tv series like that's just my question as a whole well monsterverse has been around a lot longer if you're going to take it into account the 69 years so they probably have um more of a legitimate reason to be here than say whatever other universe you want to bring in besides marvel and DC. How many episodes is this supposed to this be? This is supposed to be 10. Um, and, and also, the interesting thing is I like how they've cast a few characters who haven't been in much before. Kentaro hasn't been in much yeah, before. Yeah, really And neither was um, the grandma, Kiko Mura. Like, they, the only thing I think she'd been in before, which is funny, is uh, Pachinko and Tokyo <laughs> Vice. Both, very, both shows that you saw, both I think ended well, up on Japan-centric. Yeah. Yes, and she's not the only one. In fact, Kate, our main character, played by Anna Sawai, who's actually a New Zealand actress, she has been a main cast member in Pachinko, and she's now a main cast member in this Monarch, and she's also going to be a main cast me member in Shogun. 
talk show. about wow. talk about a trilogy of really amazing huge works to be adapted into like that is one is it was one of my favorite shows of i think two years ago yep. uh this one is just trying to pretend to not be a movie but the but they were probably synced together because pachinko was also an apple tv uh production right and we know that apple tv likes to kind of use the same actors from different tv shows mm-hmm. and put them into another I, one i think the person who plays her father too hiroshi i think he's also going to be in shogun <laughs> So they must have had a lot of fun working together in both of those. Uh, yeah, the, the casting as a whole, I'll give a, a pro. The guy who played Tim is from Mare of Easttown. He was also uh, in Sarah Borelli's um, The Waitress, like the Broadway production that she did with right. that yeah. for a lot of... And so, yeah, I, and then Kurt Russell, of course. Uh, overall, though, what would you give the show? I'd give the show a 5 out of 10. Where are the monsters? Monsters look great. We don't get a lot of them. And yes, you could maybe say that I was being a little surface level just wanting to see monsters, but they look so cool, and that's the main point of Godzilla and King Kong. The characters, I think that the acting is fine. I see potential for their storylines to be good. I just don't think that we've gotten there yet. Perhaps with the ending of episode 2 where Kurt Russell is saying we have to break out of this place and try and see what's going on. I see potential there, but I can only give it a 5 out of 10. I had a couple comparisons. First of all, it felt like Kate's journey is sort of Lara Croft because she also chases her father and tries to figure out what he was doing and slowly learns along the way. And then she's going to become more and more badass as the series goes on. Also, the bus scene reminded me of the origin of Superman, but if everything had gone shitty, (laughs) instead of being able to save all the kids... No, all I, of them died. I do, yeah, yeah. I do, I do have to give credit for that. That was kind for of murdering a, heroin, a bunch of no, no, for the backstory. That was harrowing, more harrowing than I thought that they were going to be able to pull off. Well, she does have PTSD. Like, yeah, and it's pretty heavy. I don't like how disconnected the first episode is from the second one. I've already talked about how the angst of the characters and how that doesn't make sense with where they left it. But also, Tim. We see him in the first episode when he's introduced by uh, them telling him, uh, guess what? In Tokyo, we found out that someone opened a bunch of monarch documents, but we have no idea what the IP address is. All we know is that they're in Tokyo. The second we start episode two, he's at the place where Kate is. He's already there. He's literally tailing her. He already knows enough about her. It's so weird. Like, they don't show us things that I feel like, because they don't make it seem like a lot of time has gone by. Yes, right. It's only been like, what, maybe so how did he find her that part didn't make sense to me also the stunt double in the first scene that john goodman had uh like the monsters were really really cool but if you're going to try to sell a show in the first couple minutes as being super cool cgi why make the stunt guy look so much not like the character? He's it's, 70 years old and he was like doing parkour. It, yeah, it makes me, it, it, usually I have to pause to see that it's a stunt double. This, I didn't have to pause at all. He's jumping over rocks. He's running as fast as he can. I was actually kind of laughing at that. But I was yeah. willing to give the show a pass for that because the first five minutes, like also dealing with the bag, I was interested in what was inside that, uh, which we see in episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that though, oh, I have one more complaint. It's that every show nowadays, we used to complain that uh hollywood likes to write writers because a lot of writers write their own yes. lives and so you have a, an insane amount of uh of movies and television shows focused on just the industry itself well it seems like no matter what genre you're focusing in on hollywood writers also like to write tech geniuses because it doesn't matter if it's a thriller a crime <laughs> drama a comedy or a monster world 
someone always knows someone who's amazing, not just like, oh, I have a little interest in technology, but who has the full setup, all the gear in their house, but ready usually, to go. Usually when shows have that type of person, nowadays at least, they seem to try and put some actual coding into it. This kind of reverted back to the hackers that we got, I felt like in the early 2000s, where they're just like, oh, I'm inside the database and not actually showing any she of the She just magically she had a machine that could take those old tapes and just unencrypt encrypt them in a second also she wasn't using an air gap computer which would have probably helped with monarch not being able to find them immediately but uh yeah oh yeah and i'll actually add on top i kind of mentioned it earlier but characters always blowing things up in king kong they had to blow up part of skull island before king kong wakes up and godzilla aaron taylor johnson has to blow up the kids or the monster kids and then here as you were stating he, uh, they have to blow up the thing just to get underground to find the larvae yeah yeah, yeah. um what did you think i i like the pirate ship show or the, the regular usf lawton or whatever showing up it kind of reminded me of lost um, when they find the dynamite yeah. ship. Um, but but I also found the part where they showed the crew inside probably the scariest, like almost as scary or cringy as the cockroaches jumping <laughs> on top of whatever faces. People have also pointed out that there's no way that the doctor died there, which doesn't seem possible to me. Yeah, well, but like, here's the thing. She would have died if this was real life. But yeah, from the way that they left it off, it was kind of obvious that she was still alive. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye. Bye.